Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio. You can call us up and get some advice about your health condition, or you can sit back and just listen and enjoy conversation with myself and Dr. Weifold. Yeah, um, I love it when people call in. And, yes. you know, the thing is, we, we talk about a lot of things, but don't think that that's the primary focus of the show. I love it when people call in because it gives us a chance to educate and yep. give people the concept of how a physician thinks through problems. You know, because that's really important. Everybody says, oh, we're going to do artificial intelligence and we're going to – you're not going to have to go to the doctor now. Right, just right. Look, look at a, a screen. And it's not the way it, it is. At least I, I dread that era because it's interactions with other people. That's that's how it is. And just know? to just to back up, I tried to do this a couple of weeks ago and it, it became a big thing. Let's do a short CV What's your experience? You went to Princeton. Yeah. So what to graduate was, from Princeton, was yeah, it good? I did. I did okay. Um, okay. You know, I graduated with some honors, and I did biochemistry. Uh-huh. And so what I was interested in was how cells and DNA work. And so I published some things. And I went to Johns Hopkins, which is in Baltimore. Princeton's in New Jersey. Hopkins was in Baltimore. I did four years of medical school. And I did three years of uh, internal medicine residency. So you learn about the whole body. So people don't really understand. They think that a cardiologist went from medical school to cardiology school. So what they try to do, and at Johns Hopkins, I'm telling you, it was fantastic. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, I was up every third night all night. In the ICU, I was up every other night all night. And they don't do that anymore. They've realized that that sleep is too important to being good. But anyway, so I learned about neurology and pulmonology and cardiology all in three years. And believe me, it was trial by fire. So then I went to Duke and did four years of cardiology, which two years was doing, you know, biochemistry research. And, you know, when when I do look back on that, the reason why I went into private practice is because Academic medicine is cutthroat. Is it really? Oh. I mean, you talk about uh, – you remember uh, Ben Carson when yeah. he was running for president, one of the wise acres. Um, I use that term nicely. Yeah. Because uh, you can't say the, anything that you're press, really thinking. Yeah. said, how can you run for president? You have no conception of politics. <laughs> and he, there's a <laughs> silent pause. And he goes, you obviously – had, know nothing about academic medicine. He was at Johns Hopkins. I actually operated with him once. He wouldn't know me from Adam Ant. But um, anyway, yeah, so I decided what made me happy, and that was taking care of folks. So then uh, a guy that I knew, uh, I was going to no, back up, I was going to be a professor at University of Arizona. I had the uh-huh. job all lined up. Yeah. And something hit me in the middle of the night. I woke up and said, Do you really want to write grants? And, you know, the excitement of being in, in, in doing, you know, first tier science is one thing. But, you know, I was going to miss that daily interaction with people and patients. Mm-hmm. So I, I quickly, within a week, found a job in South Bend, Indiana. And I did cardiology there for, geez, 10 years. And I was 
one of the team physicians under Lou Holtz and Bob Davey for Notre Dame football. Really? I got into that by taking care of one of the um, top people at Notre Dame, which is in South Bend, Indiana, if you don't know, uh, a guy named Father Hesburgh. And that was my claim to fame because the Mayo Clinic said he had one thing. And we oh, found out that he had something else. The Mayo Clinic said he was a dead man. And we found out he had something fixable. I'll tell you know what? One of these days I'm going to just tell stories. Yeah, that's from a good idea. Sure anyway, good so idea. then I got recruited to come here and uh, went into private practice for myself because I just like working for myself. And you decided to work in Johnston County as opposed to Wake County? Well, I County got recruited or- for Cary. Really? No, I got nothing against Carrie. Okay, Carrie Cardiology are my uh, sole partners. They, they, since I'm not in the hospital doing procedures anymore, I got over irradiated, and there was all sorts of, you know, other political messes. But anyway, um, Carrie's a great place. Yeah. But you know, I I had when I was at Duke, you used to moonlight. We used to be able to moonlight in emergency rooms. Yeah. God, I learned a lot doing that. I learned how to sew. Gosh. I can sew so well now. Really? Yeah. Well, anyway, that's good. You're a yeah. doctor. Yeah. You're a surgeon. Yeah, when I, I put mean... those pacemakers in, my wounds came out. You couldn't even see the scar after six really? weeks. Anyway. Okay. Um, so I worked at Johnston Memorial, as it was called at the time. And I started in 1987. And I would work night shifts. So I'd work all day at Duke, work all day at Duke. And then Friday nights, I'd work from 7A to 7, 7P to 7A to make enough money so I could feed my family and get a house. So I knew what the population was in Johnson County, really good people who had a lot of heart disease. It's funny because you you drive 20 minutes from Raleigh toward the I-95 corridor Uh and running from Virginia all the way to Georgia along the I-95 corridor is uh, the highest incidence of coronary heart disease in the United States. And that's because they all came, not all of them, obviously, but they came from the west of Scotland and the east of Ireland, which is a a group of people who have genetically the highest incidence of heart disease. In fact, they went to the west of Scotland to test the cholesterol medicines Uh first because they knew they had the highest incidence of coronary disease, so they wouldn't have to test as many people for long. Anyway, so when I got recruited to carry, um, they said, oh, you know, our group is so big, we have a even have an opening in, in Johnston County, and they sort of snickered. I looked at him, so I'll take that job. I mean, sight unseen. Yeah. And I took it, and the rest, as they say in Johnston County, is history. All right. just, <laughs> just to let you know that Dr. Weefold does know what he's talking about, whether it has to do with hearts or not. He's got that background. He graduated. I'm, I'm, I called up on our website, hearthealthradio.com, and I'd forgotten this. That Dr. Weefold graduated with an A.B. in biochemical sciences, summa cum laude, from Princeton University. Now, I've got my resume right underneath it. I graduated vix iustus from Oswego State University in broadcasting. Vix iustus, I'm I'm sure I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, means just barely. Oh, come on. Okay. But then I went and got a teaching degree, and I graduated... Tempore novissimo, tempore novissimo, which Just means it means finally, 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 eventually is what it means. Well, All I, right. you know, it, let me tell you, class rank, yeah, is is not as important as you think. What do they call the guy at Johns Hopkins who graduates last in his class? I don't know. 
doctor. They call him Okay? Doctor. Right. I mean, the point I'm trying to make, uh, there's a guy that I know who is the best shoulder surgeon I've ever, ever met, Kevin yeah. Spear. Yeah. And he's uh, he practiced. He used to be head of um, uh, sports medicine at Duke, sports okay. surgery at Duke. And he decided, like me, he wanted to go into private practice. So he does my shoulders, not all of them, but a lot of them. And he and Kevin and I were freshman year cronies at Johns Hopkins first year. Right. And the thing about him is that you'd never guess looking at him uh, initially. He's a big guy. He was a football player at Indiana University. But that guy got straight A's all the way through. And so the whole point is don't judge a person by their cover like a book. Yeah. Um, And he is just such a fantastic surgeon. It's incredible. All right. So any questions you have, here are the numbers. Always call between noon and 2, which is when we produce the show on Saturdays. Noon and 2, 919-860-9783. Coronavirus numbers in the United States of America are down. Yeah, it's really, really a a big relief because – um, I, you know, I was wrong on. It's been a year. January twenty first was when uh, former President Trump uh, closed off travel to China. It was a big to do. There was uh, fighting on the Democrat side, saying that it wasn't necessary. Well, it turned out, you know, yeah. hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, it was kind of necessary. But, you know, we were all wrong. I, I don't know a single person. Uh, physician, maybe there are out there. You know, there's it's, it's, somebody's got it written down that they predicted all this. But yeah, it would be amazing if they did. But I never, I thought we'd be done with this. Remember, six weeks and we're done. Right. Flatten the curve. Yeah, because this is not your typical, you know, pandemic virus. I mean, even influenza dies out. Right. This only gets stronger with all these mutants from South Africa, especially in the UK. Right. And so. Whenever you have a virus that is out there um, and in your body, the genetics are such that mistakes are made in reproducing the virus by our machinery that reproduces it. They hijack our machinery. So we make mistakes in, in our DNA all the time. Right. We repair them. But every now and then there's a mutant or a mutation and you get cancer. And then your immune system is supposed to kill the cancer. But when you have billions of virus particles floating around and maybe one or two mutate and they turn out to be more fastidious and more infectious, then they're going to spread, which is why we've really got to tamp this down. Let's hear from Dr. Mandy Cohen, the secretary of Department of Health and Human Services. She's speaking initially about the South Africa variant because someone asked about that. But we know, of course... That the U.K. variant is in North Carolina, and the South African variant has been located in two patients in South Carolina. Just like with the U.K. variant, we're operating as if it's here already because we knew um, that this this virus moves fast. Um, And so we are monitoring for it to see if we we, um, identify it here in North Carolina. But we have identified a number of cases of the U.K. variant of the B117 variant, which we know is more contagious. And so we, we have to be vigilant. So w- there's none of the South African variant any closer than the South Carolina yeah, border. Yeah, but it's coming. I mean, you know no, it's coming. Yeah, it's going to come. Um, the, the vaccines that are out um, 
have a lower percentage of preventing the South African especially. So if you've seen some of it, we're going to talk about the types of vaccines again because I think they're very important. But this new one that came out, the Novavax, um, and we'll talk about uh, how it works. Anyway, it's, it went from 80-ish uh, effective against the standard strain down to 50% in okay. sa- against the South African strain. Now, the good news is that even against the South African strain, Nobody died, or maybe one out of 10 million, I don't know, one out of 50,000. So it turns, you may still get the South African, but taking, I think, all of the vaccines turns it into a less serious illness, which is fantastic. We're going to pick up the line. Roxana is in Greensboro. Welcome to Heart Health Radio. Hi. Yes, hey, good afternoon. Afternoon. I can't believe I got you guys, but uh, I wanted to ask the doctor a quick question. I'm 75 years old. Uh, fairly good health. I've had high blood pressure for many years, and I was on Norvask for a long time, low dose, but I started having complications and real serious problems with it, so my doctor switched my meds to a, I hope I'm pronounced it, chlorothoroxidine. Uh, does that sound familiar? Hmm. Chlorosomethingdine. Huh. Hydrochlorothiazide? Chlorothaloxidine. Maybe that's it. Well, let me just ask you, Roxana, are you positive that it starts with a C and an H? Yes, I am. Oh. It's right. wow. C-H-L-O-R-I-T-H, and then I kind of can't remember. But it's it's a, a diuretic. Okay, hydrochlorothiazide. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what I initially thought you were saying. You know, this is interesting because you, you did pretty good with that sure pronunciation. Yes. Okay. Um, well, yeah. I take... Uh, I take half of 0.25 milligrams. Okay, 12.5 milligrams. Because yeah. I'm very sensitive to this and that, and I get kind of, um, I've had a lot of vertigo in the past. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to be cautious in taking it. But my eye doctor, she said, well, uh, she went to Duke, and she was like a pediatrician, but she's my eye doctor. Uh-huh. She's very good. And she said, well, why, why are you on that? And I said, well, uh, I don't know. That's what they uh, they." treated me, you know, for my high blood pressure. So I'd like your thoughts on that. Well, how's it working? Well, it's doing pretty good as long as I don't get uptight. It, it seems to, uh, every time I went to the dentist, it was get my blood pressure was going up very high. Yeah. And then I'll go home and I'll take it with my cuff and I'll take my own pressure. It's like 119 over 70. And I thought, that's great. Can't get any better than that. Yeah. And well, so, but sometimes it does go up, you know, Due to what the circumstances are. Sure. Well, you went but, from you went from newfangled to oldfangled. Um, yeah. Old. Let me, do you have any more palpitations? Or are they gone? No, I don't have any palpitations. It wasn't that. It was. I was really having like double vision. Uh, okay. With the Norbass. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had been on it like for thirty years. Oh wow. I had some heart. Just really, it wasn't working. I would bend over and had double vision. I had my eyes checked. And I actually end up having a brain scan wow. and a head scan. Did and, you? Uh, um, okay, but real quickly. Um, so Norvask, the generic name is amlodipine, and what it yes. is is a calcium channel blocker. So there are calcium channels in your arteries, and if you block them, they relax. So less calcium goes into the muscles of the arteries, and mm-hmm. they relax. Excellent medication, and it's good for uh, coronary artery disease because it relaxes the coronary arteries. The biggest side effects are edema. So it relaxes the arteries in your legs so well 
that the blood pools and it swells. So that's the biggest thing. It causes a headache. Mm-hmm. And this dizziness is actually a, a number one side effect. Now, you went back to old-fashioned. One of the first medicines that we ever developed for high blood pressure were diuretics. Now, what is a diuretic? Your oh, kid- is that right? Yeah, but your kidney likes to hold on to sodium so you don't get dehydrated, okay? But in people with high blood pressure, very often the kidney holds on to too much sodium. So hydrochlorothiazide is a, I hate to use this term, it's a poison for the channels in the kidney that retain sodium. So you poison those channels and you pee out sodium and your blood pressure drops because when you have too much sodium in your uh, arteries, the sodium pulls in a water, okay? That's just the chemistry. And they expand the volume and your blood pressure goes up. Now, the biggest danger, well, the biggest problem with hydrochlorothiazide is you also lose potassium. So some people will take hydrochlorothiazide and start getting muscle aches and palpitations. Mm-hmm. And the treatment for that is add potassium. And it's an excellent way. Um, people don't realize that it worked for a long time until it didn't. And mm-hmm. more and more people didn't respond to it because their blood pressure was more refractory. But if you, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, if your blood pressure is under control for the most part, and remember, your blood pressure is going to vary. 112 over 70 one time, you know, you yell at your husband and it'll be 150 over 90 for about an hour. And then it'll come back down when you guys kiss and make up and it's, you know, 130 over 70. So it's the average. Now, if your blood pressure really skyrockets when you're upset, then you need to have that taken care of. Because everybody gets upset. You should have seen Dave and I going at it before the show started. It gets brutal. It was brutal. Roxana, thank you. I hope I helped you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We're coming up uh, in just a moment with some interesting information about in-school transmission of COVID. We're also going to get off that topic. (laughs) There's a story in my snack here. It says, China wants to do what? Where? China's going to test for COVID where? Will yeah, I know they're going to test in China, but it's more interesting than that. That's coming up. Also, <laughs> a quick a quick shame. Uh, that's uh, on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio. Who are we shaming this time? Oh, it's that twenty-two-year-old. What's that? It's that 22-year-old. It's a 22-year-old guy. Now, let me just say this, okay? Um, the vaccine has to be given by the rules. And why is that? Because in the rollout, you've got to get the people who are, at most, who are most susceptible. Right. So that was a nursing home resident, and then the frontline workers in the hospitals. Amen. And then the over 65s. Yeah. Uh, all comers and also the second line healthcare workers like me. Okay. And what happened? This 22 year old college guy named Andre DeRoshan, he formed a group called Philly Fighting COVID. And they got a contract to go out and to administer the vaccine. Well, he, he took a bunch surreptitiously yeah. and gave them to his friends. Yeah. And, you know, the point I'm trying to make about this, I get these calls all the time. What kind of poll do you have, Frank? Can you get me one? And these are my friends who, you know, some of them are in their 40s and yeah. 50s. Yeah, no, no. And what I tell them, not to be mean and nasty, but it's, uh, I'm sorry, but I took a pledge when I was in medical school to do the right thing. Right. And you don't qualify. And don't ask me again to violate <laughs> the sanctity of my profession. 
And so if you're out there listening, I know you're scared. And I know if you're under the age of 65 and you're not a you know, second-line health care worker, um, the teachers should get them, I think. Uh-huh. Well, but first of all, to get them to stop threatening so we can open up the schools again. Absolutely, yes. But yes. just be calm and wait. I mean, the bottom line is is that you uh, the chance of dying uh, if you're less than 65 and don't have a major risk factor like obesity, and we'll talk about the second risk factor, another big risk factor that came out, the chance of dying is 0.1%. I mean, 99.9%, you're not going to die. And and so play by the rules, right. okay? Just, just understand they're there for a reason. Tom has a quick question. Now, I guarantee you... When he told me it was a quick question, I believe him. Yeah. I'm not sure that it's going to be a quick answer. That's all right. But you Tom, know what? We yeah. can come back to it after the news. Exactly. But let's hear the question. Tom, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Yeah, I just got a quick question. I'm 49. Uh, I do take cholesterol medication. Um, I've never been to a heart doctor as far as doing the treadmill and all that. At what age would you recommend somebody going to somebody like you each year to do the treadmill and all that good stuff? That's a great question. It depends yeah. on a couple things. Family history is a big one. Um, if your daddy or your brother or your sister or your mother had an early incidence of heart trouble, uh, that is to say less than 60 with a heart attack or a stent or chest discomfort that was felt to be from the heart, I would go at 40. And there's several types of familial cholesterol problems, so that needs to be addressed because they're quite difficult to treat. Um, sounds like you've got, you know, you're you're healthy. Um, I don't think that you need to go see a cardiologist if you're exercising, if you're eating right, if you're not smoking, and you've got a good, you know, primary care physician, internal medicine specialist, or a family physician. Um, if you start feeling different, and this is so hard. Because, you know, you're 49. I'm getting older. And now, 49 is young. So if you start feeling fatigued, if you start getting more short of breath when you do something, you know, like your usual walk, then, you know, go see a cardiologist. Now, a stress test will tell you one thing, is whether you have a blockage that's severe enough to cut off the flow of blood. But it won't tell you um, exactly whether you have cholesterol built up or not. So there are different things you can do now to tell. But if you have a family history, if you smoke, if you're diabetic, if you're hypertensive um, and you're not physically active, if you're obese, I think that you should go fairly young because getting hooked in with a cardiologist um, in someone with multiple risk factors is really important. Now, if you're healthy and you're not having any symptoms, then I think I, I would just keep doing what you're doing as long as your cholesterol is a target. Tom, thank you very much. Great question. Terrific answer. Any questions for Dr. Weefold, call us up, 919-860-9783, Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. Telephone number between noon and 2 on Saturdays. Please dial 919-860-9783. Theoretically, you could call that number anytime you want, doctor, but nobody's going to answer. Right. So, you know, it'd be better Better we do it while the doctor's here. Yeah. Dr. Franklin Weefault, I'm Dave Alexander. Here is Tom 
in Durham. By the way, Rose Hoban would ordinarily be on right now. She's got some uh, other conflicts today, so we're going to just welcome Tom to the air. Tom, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Always. What can we do for you? (laughs) But I would like to uh, follow up on uh, Tom's statement about heart disease. Yes. I was always complacent about heart disease, and when I heard it mentioned on the radio... I would always say, well, thank God I will not have to worry about that. I do all the right things. I keep my weight down. I don't eat fatty foods. I exercise a lot. Yeah. Well, back in November of 2005, I had my annual physical, and a doctor checked me out, and he said, well, everything is fine. Just keep on doing what you're doing. So when I was leaving, he said, any other thing, any other problems? And I said, well, yes. I said, just to mention it, just one little thing. I said, I work out in the garden all the time, as you know, and I'm very energetic, moving dirt around. And I said, sometimes I get very winded and I get out of breath and I have to stop and rest. And he, I was just leaving. He said, come on back in here. Come on down. And he did an EKG. Or an ECG or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, EK or EC, that's fine, whatever you want to say. <laughs> and uh, so, and it, it had looked all right, but he said, I think we have to look at this a little further. So he sent me to a uh, clinical heart doctor and a uh, cardiologist. And they did a, he did a stress test on me. I had gone to my general care doctor on Tuesday. They did, a, he did a, uh, a stress test on a Thursday, and he said, mm, uh, we need to look at this a little further. So they sent me to Duke on the following Monday for an angiogram. And after the angiogram, they put me into the recovery room, and they said, the doctor will come in to talk to you. And so the doctor came in, and he said, well, Tom, he said... Uh, you have some issues here, and he said, you have a little blockage, and we're going to have to do something about it. And I said, oh, I said, a, a stint or something? And he said, no, a little bit Not quite. That. And he said, we're going to have to go in and clean you out and do something. I said, oh, wow. What did they end up doing, Tom? He did. the Well, he said, we're going to have to do some surgery on you. And I said, oh, wow. Well, when, would, when will I have to schedule that for? And he said, tomorrow morning. Yeah. Amen. Tuesday yeah. to Tuesday. Day, yeah, Tuesday to Tuesday. Bypass. You had bypass? Triple bypass. Triple bypass. Which is what, doctor? Well, let me tell you. First question, who was your surgeon? Remember oh. the name? Oh, it's been... 16 years now. That's okay. Uh, that's, my mind? But he was the chief uh, surgeon uh, in the uh, the Duke Medical School. For, yeah, Pete Smith? Uh, I don't recall. Yes, well, okay. Bottom line, it worked, Tom. Yeah, yes, you sound great. Yes. Right? Have you had any more problems since? Thank God. Not that I know of. Yeah. Well, your, am, your story uh, is so classic. Medications still. I am on, <coughs> excuse me. Lisinopril, yep, Silverstatin, yeah. and uh, uh, let's see, oh, Carv- Carvitolol. Great. 
And when they, let me ask you a quick big question. When they did the surgery, did they tell you that your pump was still good, that your heart muscle was still strong? I guess, yes. In fact, I said to them, how can this be? I said, I do all the right things. I am a non-smoker. I eat well. And he said, genetics. Yep. Biggest one. Did your dad or mom or sister or brother have heart problems too? Uh, no, uh, but I have Irish ancestry. You were mentioning about yeah, mentioning about Scottish absolutely and Irish ancestry, and I have another uh, genetic disease from my Irish ancestry, and that's RP. Oh wow! Wow. Well, listen, you you have a classic story. I call this the by the way syndrome. Okay, yeah. So you have a nice visit. <laughs> Everything's going well, yep. and then, you know, there's something in the back of your mind as a patient, but you don't think it's important, <laughs> you know, or maybe just maybe the doctor will laugh at you. So it's yes. a, as you're walking out the door, by the way, doc. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, you know, this is one of the things we talked about is that symptoms of heart disease can be subtle. Yes. And so here you are, uh, a really nice gardener exercising, and you notice Every now and then, when I do what I used to be able to do, I get short-winded, not necessarily tight in the chest, yeah. or or you can't even really describe it, okay? People say, yeah. well, you know, it just feels weird, right? because they're not used to describing it. And you, know, you had excellent medical care. I mean, your primary care physician recognized something, and that you can have severe blockages, cutting off the flow of blood, uh-huh. without a whole lot of symptoms. Wow. Um, probably the reason why they had to do surgery is because you had all three arteries blocked. Wow. If you have all three arteries blocked, you have a much higher risk of dying from a blockage than you do if only one or two are blocked. And it depends on which artery. So, you know, they call it the widowmaker. Well, why is that? Because mm-hmm. if you have a cholesterol buildup in the part of the front artery, that goes to most of the left heart muscle. It's called the left anterior descending. If you have one really, really far up, so the whole artery is at risk, then you should probably get that fixed, even if your symptoms are not that bad. Right. Because you look at the statistics, and when you have that kind of blockage, your risk of sudden death uh, in the next five years is very, very high. Let me ask you a question. Go back about your stress. 5% t- blockage. Pardon? Say that again, Tom. Ninety-five yeah. percent. Oh, he had ninety. Let me let me ask, let's go back and 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 wrestle up your memory banks because this is a real important question. When you did the stress test, you walked, right? Yes. And how far did you go? Do you remember? Because that's that's the, a lesson I wanted to tell people. Uh, it was on a treadmill, of course. And, and how, did they did they raise it up a couple times, or did you only? I only did it once. No, but I'm saying when you were walking for the first three minutes, it's at about a 12% grade. After three minutes, they speed it up and they raise the grade up so you're walking uphill more. Do you remember how many times they did that? They did. They raised it. They did. Okay. All right. So the key thing that people don't realize about a treadmill is that one of the big aspects about your future prospects is how long you can go before you got to quit. Yeah. So, for example, I've got some people who have blockages in two arteries. Their symptoms are minimal, and they've been stable for a long time, and they busted the treadmill at, four, at 14 minutes. Uh-huh. I mean, they were running at the end. Yeah. Their risk is very low. 
and primarily because they could go 14 minutes. Now, I've got some, like, I had a guy with a very similar story, almost identical to your story. And he was rough and tough and hard to bluff, and he was going to kill that treadmill. Yeah. Well, after four minutes, he said, I can't go anymore. And he had three vessels, 95%. Now, his heart muscle function was good. That's another key issue. So the key issue when you have three vessels blocked is how far you could go on the treadmill, how bad your symptoms are, and how well your heart pumps. If your heart pumps well and you're able to go a reasonable distance, say, you know, six minutes, seven minutes, you're going to live a good life. And it sounds like you've done great. Tom, thank you. Well, thank you for taking my call. Congratulations. You're great. It's a great story. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, Tom. Jenny and Carrie, welcome to the radio program. Thanks for being patient, Jenny. Hi. Hi. Um, I I guess what I need to, I'm I'm interested in is I need to have an opinion, another opinion from myself. Um, I've had a colonoscopy, it must be either four or five times, and each time the prep has been worse than the time before. Yeah. And um, now, um, I, I guess it was just about maybe six months ago, I had another one. And um, I'm 75, and they put me down. They wanted me to come back in five more years. Um, now, I do not really want to face that prep again, and is it really that necessary for oh. me? Good question. Let me ask you, the reason why they're doing it so many times, is that because they couldn't get a good one and they went back to try and get another good one? Or did you have a bunch of polyps or something? I did. I've had some polyps each time I've done it. And this last time they said there was one polyp and it was precancerous. Pre- okay, that's why they're trying to do it so much. You don't sound 75. You sound great. 75 well, actually <laughs> is good anyway. But I would have guessed you're in your 40s right. by your voice. Right. Um, you have a young voice. Okay. Um, what was the prep they gave you? The saltwater, seawater business? Um, there was a, a bottle of something or other that I had to take. Go lightly. Yeah. Uh, and, yuck. Um, <laughs> you know, it lasted, it was like a three or four day prep, you know, getting worse each day. Yeah. And um, I just really don't want to go through that again. Yeah. And I don't blame you. At my age, is it really that necessary? Wait, when you took it, well, let's put it this way. How long ago was the precancerous polyp found? About six months ago. Oh, okay. Why do they want to do it again so quick? Well, they don't. They want me to do it in five years. Okay, okay, good, good. Now, um, I've had three colonoscopies, and mine were a breeze. Um the first one was with that seawater thing, go lightly. I thought I was going to die. I said yeah. to myself, if I take another sip of this, yeah. I'm going to jump out the window. Have you ever had it? No. It's terrible. You're yeah. drinking seawater. Um, I have, and again, I am not telling you what to do, but I want you to talk to your GI doctor about the um, Gatorade prep. Have you heard about that? No. Okay. So most gastroenterologists that I know poo-poo, <laughs> that's a good word, the Gatorade pet. It's exactly the wrong word. It's the great word. <laughs> now, what Gatorade is, is a is a mixture of minerals that you need, okay? So the Gatorade prep takes, takes uh, Miralax in extremely high doses, and you mix it in a bottle, uh-huh. and you let it become clear. You can't tell. It 
it's like you're drinking Gatorade. Yeah. Okay. And then it combines it with a medicine called Linzess. All right. Now, Linzess and Trulance are these medicines that are not laxative. They affect a, a part of your colon, uh, a, a protein that makes the colon pour out water. Yeah. So in combination, what you do the day before is you just drink clear, you know, clear stuff, Jello, you know, try not to eat, you know, like a big chunk of steak, but soups and stuff like that for a day. And then you go on the, the go, I'm not go lightly, you go on the Gatorade prep and you mix it exactly right. And Uh you're just sitting there chugging Gatorade. Yeah. And then, you know, you take this uh, lens S at a certain time and believe me, you're going to, you're going to poo poo. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. and and the way you know it worked is at the end of all this, yeah, you are poo pooing clear. I mean, just nothing coming out but a solution. And so I'm going to tell you, I I did something I don't recommend anybody do. But my doctor said, "Do not do the Gatorade prep. I don't like it." And so I did it. It wasn't his colon. Well, I oh. guess they're just so used to doing things a certain way. Right? <laughs> And I was clear as a bell. My colon, my choice. Yeah. Now, the key thing is, don't drink red Gatorade. No. You know why? Right. Because he'll look up there and he'll see red liquid and he'll think, oh, my God, she's bleeding. That's right. Yeah. So They say don't eat or drink anything that's red. Right. So I tell you what, (laughs) if you had a precancerous polyp in five years, I would definitely think your doctor's right to get another colonoscopy because you're much more likely if you had one precancerous polyp to have another. Now, I got mine done because I had a, about three polyps in the beginning, and then he did it again. I had two more. Mm-hmm. So he just wanted to get another one, and I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had one at 50, at 55, and at 60. Now, I don't sound 62. No, I don't. But next week is the big 6-2. Yeah. And, and so I, I feel for you. But don't do this on my regard. You make sure yeah. there might be a reason why your doctor doesn't want it. But um, I'm going to um, if get my email address, okay? And from hang on and get my yeah. email address for the people because I'm going to email you that. with a I'm going to email you what the Gatorade prep is only as informational, not as a prescription, right? So that you can actually in five years or whatever it is take this to the GI or person and say I want to do this prep. And a nice thing in five years, there might even be an easier one. Right. You never know. Medicine Jenny, thank you very changing. much. Um, we <laughs> we don't have time for the China story, okay? But it would fit so beautifully into this segment. It just It's a shame we don't have time for it. We are going to talk about in-school transmission of COVID. We are going to talk, at a, talk about a North Carolina carbohydrate product. A North Carolina carbohydrate product. It's our number one food in North Carolina. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That is okay. On the no-no diet. On Dr. Weefold's diet, which is, by the way, a terrific way to lose weight. We'll talk about that coming up. 919-860-9783 is our number on the Heart Health Radio Network. Some people just earn their way to the shout-out segment. And who did this well, time? I, I saw a patient last week. And again, when I talk about patients, remember, I have permission yes. uh, to talk about them. Alanda Galejo. And she came to see me very frightened about her heart. 
Um, and she was very, very frightened uh, about COVID. And we had a really nice uh, time together. Um, and the nice thing is, is that she came in worried about her heart because of the way she felt and because of the way I do things. Mm-hmm. All done in one day. We made sure her chest pain wasn't from a cardiac condition. She got a stress test. She had a murmur that she'd heard about. She got an ultrasound, and that was okay. And then we had a lot of time to talk about COVID and to talk about what her risks were. She came in very well prepared. She not only had an N95 mask, she had a face shield on. And I told her, and I want to tell other people out here, that I don't want you to live in fear of COVID um, if you're young. You're, and you don't have di- um, obesity, which I think is the number one risk factor, diabetes mm-hmm. and obesity. Just be careful. And even if you get it, the chance that you're going to get really sick is very low. But the main reason for young people, and I'm talking about people less than 60, not to get it is because you don't want to give it to somebody who's at risk right? and have them get a very serious illness. So Alana walked out, of, came in, wringing her hands and quite quite nervous yeah. and I feel so great that she walked out of there with a smile on her face and a big deep breath and blew out the air and felt yeah. relaxed. Anyway, That's good. the next one is a patient I've had for a long time and she walked in the door one day at 445 mm-hmm. complaining of being short of breath and I, you know, she was in atrial fibrillation which we've talked about a lot and the nice thing is she didn't want to go to the ER. So I stayed until 7 o'clock. Oh, my. And I gave her intravenous diuretics to get rid of the fluid. I slowed her heart rate down, and she went home. And now she comes you know, on a regular basis, and her AFib is under control. Yeah. And she's the sweetest thing. Just yeah. so nice. And it, it, it is the reason why I went into medicine. There's people like these two. Everyone, all of my patients. But yeah. It's just so great. All right. Um, it, we didn't get a chance to actually give Jenny from Carrie the email address. And anybody can have this. Yeah, now. email me. DR, and then that's doctor, of course. And then Weefald, W E F A L D. You know at, how I say it? Huh? I say W E F is in Frank, so they don't put an S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A L D is in dog, so they don't put a T. I get Dr. Weesalt. All the time. You know? <laughs> right. that's like we name, things. Do you know we what your front solve. office says? What? I asked them before we started the show. I said, I got to know how to pronounce the doctor's name. I called your office. They said, pretend you were a two-year-old and you didn't know how to do like past tense. And you tried to say that you fall. We fall Duh. down. You fall. We fall down. Yeah, we fall. Yes. We fall. Dr. We fall at gmail.com. In, in a case anybody wants to know, it's Norwegian. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, I'm half Chinese. Uh-huh. Wong, H-U-A-N-G on my mother's side. And we fall. And that actually is because it's a town in oh, Norway really? outside of Oslo. And they pronounce it Vefald. Vefald. And my great-grandfather, Knud, K-N-U-D. Yeah. You know, Newt Rockney. Sure. That's wrong. It's Knut Rockney. Knut. And I have an uncle Knut. And I have a, uh, another Knut in the family. Anyway, yeah. he came over here. In 18-something or other, yeah. with nine children, yes, and f- f- made a life. He right. was a congressman. Right. Yeah, you know what's funny? Mm. Immigration restriction. He was all for immigration restriction. And he was an immigrant. Yeah, and that okay. was the funny thing. Yeah. But, but more so, 
if his stuff hadn't been repealed, my mom would have made it over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have a very interesting background. But Weefald is Weefald. an unusual name. If you see a Weefald anywhere, yeah. we're related. No kidding. All of us. All right, China. Um, for those of us with visual imaginations, this is a fun story. China is um, has got a way to test for coronavirus now. They say it's more accurate than the throat method. They are going to swab people's anus. Their butt. Do you believe that this is... Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah? it's great. Yeah, because think about it, okay? People are a donut. Okay, you are equivalent to yeah. a donut. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. You are a whole surrounded okay. by body. So, from the... We used to talk about diseases from uh-huh. the mouth all the way through to the... Yeah. Anus. Yeah. I don't like that word, but I'm going to use that word. Anyway, so, I mean, you <laughs> I know. I write out a couple of words that would. Yeah. If you bend over and, you know, do a little tickle, the reason is um, uh-huh. you can never get the anus clean. I mean, not 100% clean, no matter what you want to do. So, the, the COVID's going to be in there. And you, do you know how they're really screening in China for the areas that are hotspots for COVID? No. They're sewage sampling. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that think about sense. it. That yeah. makes sense. Now, I was going to do you, when you talk about the anal swab, I was going to give you a wink, wink. Okay? No. Because one of the things we did as residents is we did that. We had to do a rectal exam on everybody. But before we did it, we were supposed to make an anal wink. Okay? Which is? Which is you slightly touch it and it contracts. And that is a sign that you have normal function yeah. of that organ. And you did this on everybody, even people uh, who are in with a you sore know what throat? happened a lot? Is what? We, is we would say, uh, and the rectal exam was uh, normal, and the and we you know pretend we said anal wink was normal. But we didn't want to lie. We just sort of mumbled it. And I didn't want to do that. No, nobody did. Oh, thank goodness. Joel from Raleigh. Hi. <laughs> thank you for calling Heart Health Radio. How you doing, Joel? Joel, we got about a, a minute and a half here. Uh-oh. I don't think he hears us. He's. I think he hung up because he no, didn't want to hear no, no, about... No, I'll tell you what he is. He's got us on speakerphone, and we picked up, and he's running across the room. Oh. And perhaps has had a cardiac event. Hi, Joel. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna put you back on hold. <laughs> Maybe people All have right. stopped talking. Now, listen. When we talk about bodily functions, I'm one of the things about this show. Yeah, yeah. Is to get people to be more relaxed about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, because it's important. And you know what? I have people still come into my office. Yes. When they have diarrhea, right? They don't want to say it. They want to use baby terms. You know? I told you that last week. I've yeah. forgotten most of the original terms for bodily functions yeah. and the incorrect ones. Yeah. I mean, just let it all out. It's just, <laughs> just, just say it. All right. We got about 15 seconds here. The carbohydrate we can eat almost nonstop. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. That doesn't make any sense because they're sweet and white potatoes aren't. But it's good but for it's you. It's a different kind of sweet. And it won't drive up my sugar? It's called a low glycemic index. What does that mean? It means you eat it and your sugar doesn't go up. Excellent. All right. This is Heart Health Radio in Raleigh. The show continues for another hour. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. Welcome. 
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. Another hour of our uh, our radio show, Doctor Weefall, Dave Alexander, and Phil in Raleigh. How you doing, Phil? I'm glad to hear from you today. Doing fine. Thanks for taking my call. Good. How can we help you? Well, I actually had a question about. I'm always looking for things that the insurance doesn't pay for that'll yeah. help me. Yeah. And you actually had an advertiser about 15 minutes ago about heart and lung scans. Yeah. Oh, and good. Good question. I don't want to put you on the spot since they're no. advertiser, but no, it's not my. It's I, not. I'm gonna say this. I don't um, actually listen to commercials sometimes, but I know what you're talking about, <laughs> and I'm gonna endorse this heartily, so to speak, um, because I started this whole craze back in 1990. I guess three. It's been around a long time. Now, let me give you uh, some of the background. When you have cholesterol build up in your arteries because of genetics and diabetes and high blood pressure, etc. The body fights it mm-hmm. and the body tries to, to melt it away. And when that happens, the immune cells that are doing it, they create calcium. And mm-hmm. so the calcium gets precipitated. It gets like rock in the plaque. And on a CT scan, you can see it. Now, Back in the 90s, the early CT scans weren't very fast, okay? So you get blurry images. But now, they're so fast that you can actually, in some cases, make an angiogram with a CT scan. A lot of cases, actually. So what they do, and what this comp- and we're actually going to have these people on the show pretty soon, okay. because I'm so enthusiastic about this, is that you take a CT scan, and it tells you how much calcium is in your arteries, your coronary arteries. And there is a direct correlation between the amount of calcium and your risk of having a fatal heart attack. Because the more calcium you have, the greater the chance that one of these cholesterol plaques that may not even be, you know, usually isn't tight enough to constrict the flow of blood. Those mm-hmm. are the ones that cause heart attack because they're juicy and they're, you know, like chocolate covered cherries. They can be crushed. Whereas a 95% blockage is hard and right. usually stable. It's really weird. Your heart attacks come from minor blockages, not major blockages. But anyway, so when you get one of these scans, you find out you've got cholesterol buildup. And if your scan is high, and that's adjusted for age. So a number of, say, 500 Mm -hmm. for someone who's 80 is not as bad as the number of 500 for somebody who's 30. Okay. Okay, So it's age adjusted. But I found out I had it when they thought I had cancer in my armpit. Mm-hmm. And I got a CT scan and an MRI second, but my CT scan showed calcium in my Winnebaker. And my cholesterol was really high. Now, that's a motivation, okay? Yeah. So you can go get your cholesterol checked. And the doctor says, well, Dr. Weefald, it's 178. And I go, but I feels good. Yeah. You know? That's what right. I say. I feels good. And, <laughs> you know, but when you see it on the scan, yeah. and they're pointing out this hunk, I mean, this bright white calcium on a CT scan. That's the motivation. And so mine's 11 now. 
My LDL cholesterol is 11. And guess what happened to my calcium? I don't it's know. It's almost gone. And this, just to be clear, the scan shows the damage that's created by this high cholesterol. Right. And you call it, it's damage, yeah, because your artery, instead of being nice and smooth and juicy, right. like an artery is, arteries are, you know, very pliable. Mm-hmm. It gets Hard as a rock, because it's calcified. And this is why we say hardening of the arteries. That is one of the reasons. Because okay. it can also harden when there's just plaque. Okay. Okay. But this is the interesting thing, is that the other reason why these scans are so good is the motivation to, yeah, I talked earlier, the motivation to start living right and getting your cholesterol down and staying yeah. on that statin. Yeah. But then you check it again in two years. Sure. And you see your progress. The calcium scans actually go down in terms of score. Now, here's the problem. Hmm. Insurance companies still won't pay for them. Now, here's, here's why they say. They say you get a calcium scan. Well, then you're going to get a stress test, and you're going to have an angiogram, and you're going to have a stent when you don't need it because stents are only necessary if you're having a heart attack or if you have bad symptoms that don't go away. Right. Find a good cardiologist, and he, he or she won't do that. In other words, now we know. It used to be, oh, my God, the calcium score is very high. If he dies of a heart attack, I'm going to get sued, right? Well, now we know, no, that's not the case. It's only for people who have really high scores. So to make a long story short, I probably talked you out, but I recommend these. You're going to wind up having to pay out of pocket most of the time, but they're 100 bucks. Okay, they're hundreds. Oh, 100 bucks. Yeah, most of these places are volume places. The scan takes five minutes. But the point I'm trying to make is it's the best hundred bucks you'll ever spend if you find out and you didn't know you have coronary artery disease and you get fired up to fix it. Phil, are you going to have this done? Well, I actually uh, had a calcium C-score scan done a couple years ago. What was your score? It was 103. And how old are you? Uh, 69. That's not bad. What did they tell you your risk was? Pretty low, right? Yeah. yeah, but my, my doctor did put me on a torvastatin, just 10 milligrams Perfect. because of that. Yeah. How's your cholesterol? Uh, uh, my cholesterol has gone way down since it's been on, I've been on the atorvastatin. Yeah. It was never bad to start with, but my ratio was never very good because the good cholesterol was only in the 30. Yeah, well, here's what I'm going to tell you about the ratio, is that I wouldn't worry about that. If, let me give you some numbers. The LDL, if you know, if it fell 50%, that okay. is great. And you want it below 70. There's, have you ever heard of the VLDL, very low-density lipoproteins? It's like yeah. even, yeah. Well, it looks like they're a big part of it, too, okay? okay? And so that's a combination of triglycerides and LDL. It costs a lot of money to check the VLDL in, in some labs. Mm-hmm. But if your triglycerides are low and your LDL is low, then there's you know almost impossible for your VLDL, very low-density lipoproteins, not to be low. If you want to spend 100 bucks and get a uh, another scan, uh, it might be really cool to see. Now, your number may still be 160, yeah. but as your age went up, the score um, percentile went down. You see what I mean? We all okay. get, it, you know, if you hadn't done anything, it might have gone to 400. You see what I'm saying? So yes. it might be cool to spend your hundred bucks, and it's not much radiation. I mean, it's not. It's it's a little more than a chest X-ray, maybe right. a lot, maybe you know, two or three chest X-rays worth of radiation. Right. But, but they they're also claiming 
they can spot early lung cancer. And since I was on enolapril for five years before they quit using that, yeah, it's a big, it's a good screen for lung cancer. It's a, it's okay. and Medicare pays for that. Your yeah. lung cancer screen, uh huh. Yep. If you are a Medicare patient, make sure your doctor, if, especially if you have high risk like smoking, or from New Jersey. Yeah. You, you know why that's a risk? Uh, no. Radon. Really? Yeah, we got to talk about radon one day. Okay. Yeah, I've had five friends with lung cancer. Phil, let me just tell you, if you get this thing done and you pay it out of pocket, I will give you twenty bucks to come back on the show. <laughs> I will. You call me back after it's done, and we'll get your address. Yeah, how, and how I'll many, mail you twenty dollars. How many bill. years ago was it? About two that I had to. Yeah, you, I, I, you're about to. I checked mine I in two years. Yeah, my I scan to get that insurance wouldn't pay. Yeah, and he uh, recommended that. Yeah, I had a score of about a hundred, right. and when I got it in two years later, it was about forty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll give it a try then. Okay. All right, Phil. Thanks Phil, for calling. Thanks. First twenty bucks is me. Okay. <laughs> Thank See, you very much. All right, take care. Let no one say that I don't invest in the radio program. Oh yeah, right. I, I do my best. There are a couple of things that I get for free around here. As I get, literally get to complain about my my symptoms, and we're going to talk about two symptoms I've got this week. One, it's been a long time of having it, and one just came up, and this is weird. Right. We're going to talk while, about while that. While doing the show, you became nauseated. No, no. Okay. I well, the last segment of the last hour. Yeah, I mean <laughs> wink, the whole wink. thing was the whole thing was uh, anal related, but. But no, there's something else. All right, listen, there's a migraine medicine that the FDA is putting what they call a black box warning on it. We're going to talk about hypotension. What is that? Low blood pressure? Low. Low We always talk about high, but low is bad, too. And in-school transmission of COVID. I would like you right now to call us if you've got a thought about Sending the kids back to school. Now, you know, everybody does yeah. have a thought about that. Our if number you're a is, parent, you have one thought. Exactly. If you're a teacher, you have another. 919-860-9783. Can we get the governor on board? This is the governor speaking this week about the studies that have shown. And by the way, those studies are all over the country from lots of reputable people saying there's so low of an opportunity yeah. to get COVID from a school. It's just not happening where they're, they're, they're having school. This is Governor Roy Cooper. I think you'll hear more from educators and from our health team in the coming days looking at that study and just remembering that we do want to get our children back in school as soon as we safely can. Doctor, what do you think? School or well, no school? School. And, yeah. and you know, one of the things that just burns me up is that everybody's for underprivileged people. Uh-huh. And how are underprivileged people, kids, going to advance themselves? Well, a lot of ways, but right up there is education. Right. They've lost a year of school. Yes. And t- I'm going to tell you, I am, I'm um, a pretty, pretty nice boss. Mm-hmm. And I love kids. Mm. So if my employees who have kids lose their health care option, I have a real big back area. It's almost like a day. A, no, it's not a daycare center. No, no, I'm no. not licensed. No. And, but we let them come in and do their schoolwork. Sure. 
And so I see this. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, trying to learn when you're eight years old on a computer, yep. you get bored, yep. you come wandering out, you know, hey, mom, can I have a, a candy bar? And you're supposed to be on there doing your, mm-hmm. your math. Mm-hmm. And it's insane what we've done to these kids. And it's all because the teachers unions, I mean, I don't know where they get their concept that they're, it's like, they, well, we don't want to risk death. No, maybe one teacher has gotten it. And, uh-huh. and they can't even prove they got it from school. Remember, any death is horrible. But you've got to weigh consequences. I mean, and, and the consequences to our children are terrible. Um, Josh McCumber. You know, my buddy who does uh, the stents, and he's, yeah. he's been on the show. He's a great guy. Uh-huh. Uh, I, his daughter um, is a, uh, a student at Columbia University. Mm-hmm. Great place, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Guess where she's, what she's doing? She's at On home? the computer. Yeah. And I said, wow, they must have reduced the tens of thousands of dollars tuition. Yeah, no. No. No, they didn't. Yeah. No. Well, let me just tell you, we're going to pick this up on the other side of our uh, commercial break. Let me just offer this. As somebody who teaches, somebody I – I went to school for this, okay? And I'm going to say something that's going to tick off a fair number of teachers. But you know what the heck? People ask, well, are the teachers being effective as teaching uh, – when they're teaching on Zoom calls? And I'm going to tell you, some of them weren't being effective before. <laughs> okay? The, the statistical likelihood that a regular classroom is going to help your Johnny learn how to read, it's not 100%. And the Zoom call is not going to help him at all. Right. Well, it, it, it's if, just if not. we did this show no. by Zoom. Yeah. It wouldn't be as good. We feed off of each other. It's if it, you it's and I life. were in a different place, right? If right. We were do, now we right. could do it, yeah. but it sure as heck wouldn't be the best show. All right, we're going to pick up with Kathy, who's the first one to call in on this, and anybody else who want to call us nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three Heart Health Radio. That was the commercial advanced body scan of Raleigh. Yeah. That's the, the, the people we were talking about. And I, we're not shaming them. They're awesome. No, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to say this again. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, present at the creation of these calcium scans. Uh-huh. And we started doing them. And it's, you know, a fantastic test. really is. And I have no financial interest in this, if you, if you just yeah. know this. Yeah. I like the concept. These people are coming. If they're not here already, yeah, and I highly recommend it. They they happen to also be advertisers on the radio station, but you know, Doctor Weefold wouldn't uh, speak well of somebody if they were doing yeah. And voodoo. again, they, I, I don't take. We uh, tell the, them not to talk about it. The commercials We've, are <laughs> are not coming to me. Right. They're coming to the station. Kathy in Lewisburg, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Yes, um, I teach high school in Franklin County. Yes. And we are face-to-face on Plan B with the reduced um, capacity. Yes. And, and I just wanted to let you guys know that it's not the teachers, um, at least not in my county. Yeah. We, um, we have, I had on, uh, we were shut down for the 
for the snow and weather, like um, which Wayne County is always virtual, so it wasn't a big deal for them, and right. apparently it wasn't a big deal for um, Durham. But we um, we had remote days, but the la- the days that we were open on Monday and Tuesday, um, Monday I had three students all day, and Tuesday I had two students all day. Is and that because parents are not sending them? That is exactly what is happening. Wow. I think that... Um, so, I mean, they are just, we, we send the buses out and yeah. they are staying home. Well, let that me ask is, you, that, Kathy. You know, that is so, that is so amazing. Kathy, this, are you and your colleagues willing to go to school every day and have a full class of kids come to your building? I cannot speak for everybody because, and I think that there are many that are not really ready for the full class. Right. And, um, but you know, what? What, what is the most challenging aspect is trying to do both at the same time. Right. To teach virtually and teach kids face-to-face and feel like you're sliding one or the other. Um, so I really look forward to, you know, being able to do either all virtual because we maintain a virtual academy for those students that want to make that choice moving forward. Right. Um, but, but I'd be just as happy to teach. To, I, I'm, ready, I'm ready to go. Um, but I... But yeah. not everybody does feel that way. There's a lot of, there is fear. Right? Now, I understand what you're saying. And it's interesting because I've got another experience or I've heard another experience from you. And I, I really value you as a teacher and, and giving me this information because I never would have get, I never would have thought that. Because all the people that I know are young and have kids, mm-hmm. they want them back in school. Yeah. Bad. Well, that is the, that has been the strangest thing is because there was a you know a great outcry. We need our kids back in school, but I think one of the things that happened is that um, kids came to school. Um, this, now, yeah, I teach high school. Okay, so kids came to school and um, they were having to wear a mask, and that was no fun for them. And I had students. I had one student who came one day, had to wear a mask, said, "I'm not doing this." Okay. I right. get it. I get it. Kathy, okay. thank you for the phone call. I'm gonna and I'm gonna cut we, it short we, because your phone is actually breaking yeah, up yeah, and you sound but, a little like I know you're somebody else's teacher, but you sound a little like Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah. So but, listen, a lot, guys. We All love right. we love our teachers. Um I'm I'm when I say Yeah. When I say it, you know, there are a lot of teachers. If you look on, you know, the teachers unions, especially in New York City. Yeah are dead set against reopening. And thank gosh, uh, mm-hmm. de Blasio and Cuomo are going to force them to open eventually, I hope. Yeah. In-school transmission, according to the latest surveys, including done by people who work around here, I think it was UNC or Duke, it's somebody it's, big. It's minuscule. It's minuscule. It's minuscule. minuscule. And- I can understand somebody who's like in my position, who has a few... Uh, what do we call them? Ex- pre-existing conditions. Yeah. You know, I'm. I listen. If I catch it, this is going to be. Uh, I'm heavier than I should be. I've got blood pressures higher than I should be. I've got diabetes. I've got you know, a, two or three other things I forget from day to day, heart sure. conditions, and I understand people are afraid. At a certain point, we got to go back. We got to go back. Listen, I, I since we're talking about my uh, physical yeah. condition. I now have something. Well, it's it's a reportable um, symptom. It's not like I can say I got a got a disease, but there's a name on it: pulsatile tinnitus. Oh yeah, I can hear uh-huh. my blood 
flowing through my ears. That's very, very, very interesting. I, now, I started noticing it when I was in a dramatic event. I can't describe what the dramatic. I mean, that was somebody who misbehaved in my presence. <laughs> was, was it me? It, no, was wasn't it me? You. No, wasn't you. And then they they left with help of my colleagues. They left my classroom. And then I heard this. It was my, my elevated blood um, uh, tempo, right? Elevated heart rate combined with what? Elevated blood pressure maybe? Maybe. Um, uh, yeah. But also, you know, the, the arteries are pretty close to your ears. Are they really? Yeah. And so um, – now, yeah. sometimes when your arteries harden up a little bit, yeah. they can transmit sound better. Okay, think about oh, it. Okay. The harder, the harder things transmit sound better. So let me ask you a question. Do your ears ring? No, they sometimes do. Not yeah. often. I have tinnitus. Do you really? Really. I mean, I woke up when I was 18 years old with a ring in my ears. Yeah. It's never gone away. So if really? I sit here and think yeah. for a second, and uh, I've toned it out, I can hear it constantly. You know what a beeper sounds like? Yes. I can't hear those. Okay. Really? Because it's the same frequency as the ringing in my ears. And what's happened, my sisters had it, and then they went really deaf. And they both have cochlear implants, and that wow. restored their hearing. But for me, I had to read lips. Now, I can understand men. Now, this is not sexist, okay? Yeah. This is because men generally have low-pitched voices. All right. And so I can I can hear trains coming from ten miles away. Right. You know I hear those those low frequencies, and the high frequencies are gone. And it's because the hair cells. Okay, <laughs> they're the little teeny things that when they perceive the sound, they send a signal to your brain. Now, what's interesting about this is when the hair cells die, yeah, the brain doesn't get the negative signal, and your your brain is creating noise all the time. The hair cells are inhibiting that noise. Yeah. So when they don't inhibit anymore because they're dead, your brain creates the noise inside your head, yeah. not from the ear. Yeah. So um, this pulsatile tinnitus, I wish they really wouldn't call tinnitus because no, it's, it's not the same thing. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll anyway, talk about that okay. maybe if it's we okay. have time. Oh, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm not that worried about it. I'm going to complain about my hips coming up and, <laughs> and this little spot that I got on my arm. We're going to talk about that during the rest of the show. Uh, also, hypotension, yeah. migraine medicine, and uh, a good shout-out coming up on Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefall? Call 919-860-9783. And if we never have enough time for Dave Alexander's ailments, I'm just going to get on the phone and call Dr. Weefall. And I'm going to say, well, first, let's scan your credit card. (laughs) 919-860-9783 is a telephone number that has been ringing all day, and we're grateful about it. Bill in Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Hi. Hi, Dr. Weefall and Dave. Uh, yeah. Great, great job. Enjoy, Thank you. En- enjoy your program. Look Thank forward you. to it every Saturday. Thank uh, you, Doctor. Uh, four years ago, I had mitral valve prolapse. I had a valve replacement with a uh, bovine valve. Yeah, and uh, I'm on Carvedilol right now, three point one two five. Yeah, two twice a day. Sure, low My dose. My biggest fear right now is a stroke. 
Okay. Um, my surgeon told me that with this replacement that I would have at least 10 years of a good life. Sure. Um, and I'll, uh, I was at 65, 64, 65 at the, t- at the time that I had the operation. Of course. Um, my, my biggest fear right now is a stroke because okay. going through cardiac rehab, I saw a lot of patients that were in the hospital in the uh, rehab area. Uh, with They were victims of strokes, and that's my biggest fear. Of My course, I understand why. That yeah. and uh, can you can you educate me on how to uh, anticipate a, a stroke? I'm, I don't mean immediately, but okay. so, warning signs. And what uh-huh. can I do to um, head off the possibility of a stroke? Absolutely, great question. Now, let me just tell people here: a bovine, that's a cow, and yeah. these valves are basically metal struts, um, and then they take the pericardium, which is the outer covering of a heart, from a cow, and they treat it, and then they stretch it over these struts, and they create a valve. It's an excellent valve. Mm -hmm. And then they put this thing, and they take out the old valve while your heart stopped and opened up, and then they sew in the new valve. And it stops the leakage. What that means is the blood only flows from the lungs into the heart and out to the body instead of what you had, which was in from the lungs, then back to the lungs, and then a little bit out to the body. Now, you have what's called a tissue valve. So those are at lower risk of strokes. If you'd had a mechanical valve called a St. Jude, which is the one we usually use, it's like a toilet seat flipping around, it's made out of titanium and plastic. And you have to take warfarin for that. You can't take the new kind, uh, the Eliquis, because it doesn't work well. Now, did they test you for atrial fibrillation lately? No, not lately. Okay. So my feeling would be that, are you on an aspirin, by the way? I forgot to ask. No. Okay. They, is there a reason why they didn't want you on aspirin? Uh, they said it wasn't necessary. Okay. Some people would disagree. There is data on there. There's data on both sides. Now, okay, did they check the arteries to your brain, called the carotid arteries, with an ultrasound? Not to my knowledge. Okay, so your risk of a stroke would be from two major things. Okay, not necessarily from your valve, unless you got an infection on it. So the next question is: Do you have teeth? And if so, do you get them cleaned? And if so, do you take antibiotics before you do, you do? I do everything you just mentioned. I um, I have to take four or five hundred milligrams of amoxicillin before any dental procedure. That's perfect. I do have teeth, um, uh, and I, I have good good dental care. Great. However, uh, with the COVID, I have uh, I have foregone any any dental procedures okay. because the last time I had a cleaning done. I, with the antibiotics, it really upset my stomach, okay. and I had to. Uh, when I saw my primary care physician, I ha- he he recommended that I take some probiotics. Okay, that's a good idea. We'll get to that some other time. Anyway, so how's your cholesterol? Um, my surgeon told me that he hopes that when he's my age, my uh, my circulatory system and everything would be as good okay. as. His is be, would be as good as mine. Okay, so here's what I would do in your situation if I were your doctor. So let's pretend I have an imaginary patient because I'm not allowed to treat you over the radio. Right. But an imaginary patient with a bovine valve in the 
mitral position, so that's between the lungs and the heart. And I would check you for AFib. And you can have silent atrial fibrillation. You never feel it. In fact, my ex-wife had a stroke. And um, she never knew it, but it was from atrial fibrillation. And now she's going to be okay. So anytime you've had heart surgery, uh, especially valve surgery, you can get AFib even at the time of surgery or years later. And I, I definitely think if you are, have concerns about having a stroke, then you want to wear one of these monitors, not for a day, not for two days, but for a couple weeks. And if you can have, you know, rare episodes of AFib. And when AFib happens, the upper chamber is just going in a little spasmodic and uh, fluttering and the blood doesn't flow well and you can clot and that clot can go up to your brain. Now, I'm going to tell you to do something that is not necessarily, I'm going to recommend my imaginary patient. Right, right. Um, But Bill, by the way, his name is Phil. Phil. Anyway, um, to get an ultrasound of the carotid arteries. And the reason is people can have a great big buildup of cholesterol in the carotid arteries and not know it. In which case, then you really have to lower your cholesterol and perhaps take a baby aspirin to prevent a stroke. So those, and, and then of course, there's a third type of, there's another type of stroke called a bleeding stroke or a wet stroke. And the, the way you prevent that from happening is control your blood pressure mm-hmm. and know that if your family has a risk of what we call intracranial hemorrhages, ICH, that's the wet stroke where you bleed into your brain, then you need to see a doctor about doing more to prevent that. But so, uh, you know, I understand why you're afraid to have a stroke. I mean, it is devastating. But I will say this, okay? If you have garbled speech or if you have a weak arm or a weak leg, if you lose part of your vision, the thing that you do is immediately get someone to call 911. Because we can fix strokes within the first couple of hours. It's amazing. We can pull those blood clots out of your brain and save your brain tissue. So, yes, fear a stroke. Know the symptoms of what a stroke would be. You can Google this, and so I don't have to go on and on and on. Right. And but but if you were my if I had an imaginary patient named Bill who had your similar history, and they came to me and said, "Doc, I've had this. I want to prevent a stroke." I would. Find out if there's asymptomatic atrial fibrillation. If so, treat that. And then find out if you've got cholesterol buildup in the arteries to the brain because you can treat that and reduce the risk of stroke too. Okay. Should, should I go to my primary care physician and, and ask? Well, ask your family doc can order those two tests, absolutely. Um, but, again, what I would, the way I would approach it is not say, well, Dr. Weefald told me to do this. The way I would approach it is Dr. Weefald suggested I talk to you about whether you think I need these things because they may have a reason. He or she may have a reason why they haven't done these tests on you. And I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I am the be all and end all. Although Dave, Dave thinks I'm the be all and end all, you know. (laughs) No, I understand. I understand. I've got, uh, I get my physical uh, coming up here in March, you know, with my primary care physician and I'm, I'm going to be 69 here in February. That's so, a great age. So, uh, you know, I have, um, I, 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 that's my biggest fear. I, yeah. you know, I, I stay active. I don't blame you yeah. at all. 
But um, there's something called FACE, F-A-C-E. And right now I can't remember all, all the things. That's a mnemonic, you know? Right, right. To remember what to look for in case you do have a stroke. Because if you you don't fool around, you don't say, ah, it'll go away. You call 911 because we can fix that. It's a brain attack. I well, mean, it's your brain getting. I, I, ne- I never, I never realized that you were able to fix it. Yeah. Um, let me let me tell you about my ex. I mean, she couldn't speak, and then she couldn't move her arm, and she is, you know, she's my age. She's young. And I have, I have lost sight in my eyes. Have you been to the ophthalmologist? Oh yeah. Okay, and yeah. they don't think it's an eye stroke. You can have a stroke in your eye. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I don't blame you. Being paralyzed, um, being neurologically not all there is a big right. fear. Um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that just, uh, I, 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 you know, I don't want to say anything over the phone uh, to the general public, but I just, uh, you know, I feel so sorry for those, those folks, and I just don't want to, I just don't want to live like that. Well, we're going to, I, I hope I've helped you, you uh, learn how to do the things you need to do. Yes, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, God Bill. Bless. Thank you, Bill. All right, FAST, F-A-S-T. Did I say face? Yeah. Like virus, vaccine. Well, the first one, the F in F-A-S-T is face drooping. Yeah. A is arm weakness. Yeah. S is speech. And T, just says time. time to call. Time yeah. to call 911. But any one of those things... You should go ahead and, and it's make it's terrible some... that I don't remember fast, okay? Yeah, well, But I tell people, you know, if you can't speak well, and right. what's facial droop? You'll look at somebody, right. uh, you know, the way you know about facial droop, tell them to smile. Yeah. And then they can't, the one side goes up and the other one doesn't. And then speech, you know, it can either be that you can't understand what someone's saying. That's called a receptive aphasia. Yeah. Or you can understand, but yeah, you can't yeah. talk. Yeah, and my father, let me just tell you the, the very quick story. My dad, when he was about 50, had an incident where he went to the doctor because he was feeling poorly and, and we felt that he was not acting right. And the doctor said, well, you know, a lot of people drink secretly around Christmas oh, time. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, here's the thing. He had aphasia. And I remember him. He would sit, turn to me and say, I flap the for the thing i'm like dad i can't understand you it was days days before we found a doctor who correctly checked his blood pressure found out his blood pressure was out of control the fellow was in the hospital for a week did he get better he did get better yeah. my gosh he got better but you know another quick story he got done six months after his they were mini strokes yeah. in in his brain yeah. He fixed televisions for a living. He gets back to work. He opens up the back of a television and he says, I have no idea what to how do. to do this. But wait a minute. I remember electronics from 40 years ago or 30 years ago when I studied it. So this does this, this, this and eventually put it back, he together. Put it back together. Of course he did. You want to hear something? I'll t- can I tell a story? Yeah. yeah my sure my mom had a fib and didn't know it. Right. It had a stroke. And it was aphasia. She could understand what we were saying. And you know how I knew that? Because yeah. she wanted something, and I would say, I can't do it, Ma. And she'd hold up her fist and oh, yeah. scrunch her face. She was a fighter. That's how she survived World War II. But anyway, so she wasn't speaking. And so my dad and I said, well, let's, let's you know, her first language was Chinese. 
Yes. So we got somebody who spoke Mandarin. Yeah. You know, and I, you don't let me do my Chinese accent. No, do not you do that. I, no. You won't let me. No. But anyway, so he spoke Mandarin. Yeah. And she didn't say anything. Nothing. Did not say anything. And my dad goes, it's like the light bulb in his head. Yeah. Said, every city has its own language. Right. Called a dialect. And it sounds different. It's like right. French and, and Italian. Anyway, so a Shanghainese. She grew up in Shanghai. So he talked, asked around to these Chinese people. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do the accent. No, no, yes, no. I know somebody who speaks Shanghainese. Yeah. So the guy came in, spoke English, nothing. Right. Spoke Mandarin, nothing. Spoke Shanghainese, and she responded. And then about a week later, she spoke Mandarin. And then about a week after that, she spoke English. Oh, my and so, word. you know, the brain is an amazing thing. Yeah. yeah. You know? and um, Well, not mine. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's called radio brain. <laughs> All right. Listen, we got we got to roll along. We've got a shout-out coming up, a couple of them. Uh, and also, we've got to squeeze in hypotension, the no-no diet. Somebody lost 130 pounds. Now, people have done that before by divorcing the person they're married yeah. to. That That's one way to lose 130 pounds. Yeah. But but this was a, a, a woman who just changed her life completely. We'll talk about how she did that next on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and Things and we talk about him here on the radio show. Uh, Mandy Cohen, yeah. the Secretary of the Department of Health well, and Human know, Services. We, she's a great lady. We sometimes, you know, like we nagged at her because we were number forty-three yeah. in terms of getting the vaccine to people. You know, percentage of give, uh, vaccine given out. Right. We're number six now. Yeah, that's good. In one week, they that's got their act together. And you know that it it takes a lot. Now there were some states. Uh, who did it right, right away. Yes. But, you know, it took us a couple of weeks, but we were up there. That's a good thing. Also, now, who are you going to shout out? I'm going to shout out Dr. A in Dr. Charles Ashley Mann's dental office. And unfortunately, I didn't get the name of the uh, dental hygienist who worked on my teeth this week. It was a pain-free procedure. I asked for... I asked for gas, and it didn't take them long before they said, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Let's I've never gas. had gas. Yeah. What, t- describe the experience. Well, let me just tell you. They said, why do you want gas? And I said, because you won't give me heroin. Oh, okay. okay? <laughs> You're going to be working on my teeth. I want whatever it is you can offer. Yeah. It's not bad. I, they kept turning it up and turning it up, and I'd say, no, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. They said, well, maybe you're not supposed to feel something. But at some point, my fear level went from 11, which is off the scale, to zero or minus zero. I just wasn't afraid anymore. But were you laughing? No, I wasn't laughing. I just wasn't fearful. That's awesome. And when, you know, gosh, folks, you got to have your dental work done when it comes due. But there's that whole, I'm going to take this metal thing. And, of course, you can't get it into your mouth without showing it to you. Here's the metal thing, and I'm going to scrape on this tooth. Okay? That is an unnerving feeling. But Dr. A and the rest of the staff there just made it feel real good. I've never had gas. When I had my wisdom, I had four wisdom teeth taken out my freshman year at Princeton. I went home to do it because they were, like, killing me. I had sodium pentothal. Now, what they – that's a – in your – an injection. I used to do it all the time. Yeah. 
I guess they had a couple people who the dentist shouldn't have been doing it because they didn't know how to manage people who stopped breathing. But oh, anyway, my. It was awesome. Was it really? And yeah. talk about truth serum. Okay. <laughs> they wanted, they okay. wanted to slap me. Let me just tell you that it's it's a good thing that those things are available for wimpy yeah. people like me. No, you're not wimpy. And I, you I just that? don't want to. Okay, there's a movie you don't want to see then. Yeah, there's lots. Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman <laughs> and Sir Lawrence Olivia. I yeah. watched it last week. Yeah. He tortures people through dental work. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. And there's a very there's a very famous word he says while he's doing it. Is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> Now you have to watch the movie to know even, why he asked that. I don't know. But even it's wanna... it's horrible. The no no diet. Well, we've talked about this and I can't tell you enough about it that you've been lied to. Yeah. Since nineteen sixty four you've been lied to. And the big lie is that meat and fat are bad for you. Because meat and fat will make you fat. Now, those studies, uh, and again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm maybe, you know, <laughs> a conspiracy theorist, but my ex-wife. But anyway, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But the truth is, the sugar industry paid for these early studies, just like the tobacco industry paid for a bunch of studies and uh, to prove, quote-unquote, that smoking wasn't bad for you. They also, you know who they advertise, who you, they used to advertise cigarettes in the 50s? Yeah, they got doctors. Doctors. Yeah. Anyway, so the sugar industry paid for all these studies that purported to show eggs were bad, fat was bad, and meat was bad. Well, what's really bad? Sugar. 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 Okay, okay, why sugar? Because it's turned into fat. And sugar also inflames your body. Now, what else is bad? White flour. So bread, biscuits, snack crackers, all those things that are so delicious. Yes. Uh, the reason yes, is, is that bread is basically just a bunch of sugar molecules chained together. Yeah. And so certain people have bacteria in their blood, in their gut, mm-hmm. that turns them into single sugar particles. Mm-hmm. Now, you've met these people who are skinny as rails and yeah. eat terribly That's sugar. Right. Their bacteria don't digest the sugar molecules or the, the sugar-containing things or the, the, uh, the bread-containing things into single sugar molecules. And if they do, their body doesn't absorb them all, so it turns into fat. So what this lady did, she's a teacher, and you know she was heavy. She went to McDonald's a lot, and she decided, um, I am going to lose weight. And so she went and looked it up. Now, unfortunately, she didn't hear about the no-no diet, but she did exactly what the no-no diet said. So she stopped going to McDonald's. She was eating buns. Oh, yeah. All right. So I tell my – I got a guy who loves a Whopper, okay? Yeah. I love a Whopper. You know what I tell him? Hmm. Go get your Whopper, take off the bun, throw it away, and just eat the insides. Because what is that? That is a beef patty and that's greens. So she did all this stuff, and she ate chicken and didn't fry it because, uh-huh. you know, people think, you know, baked chicken. I ate baked chicken. Well, what did you do? I coated it with flour. Yeah, that's no. Okay, so the whole point is purity. And I have, if you want to lose weight and if you want to be healthy, there's a slogan. Greens and meat are what I should eat. So you want to eat collards. You want to eat, you know, broccoli. That's great. And so there are foods you want to avoid. And those foods contain white flour, sugar, 
the inside of white potatoes. If you want to eat a potato, eat the skin because that's really good for you. Sure. Okay? Our sweet potatoes, and we talked about it earlier, they, even though they're sweet to the taste, they do not, do not make you heavy because the sugar in them is a type that doesn't get absorbed as fat and turned into fat. And so the last thing is white rice. And the interesting thing, we talked about this about a month ago. The Harvard people came out saying white rice is like eating pure sugar, and that's the truth. And so I felt it justified that they went out and did this because they're the ones who got us hooked on this idea that eggs, meat, and fat were bad for us. Right. And we should eat a high-carb diet. Now, what happened between 1964 when this came out and now? We had a huge increase in obesity. Right. And when you're, people ask, why are obese people more sensitive to COVID? It's called inflammation. Um, and I've proven this in my office. I'll get um, what's called a C-reactive protein. It's a very easy test your doctor can do to tell you how inflamed your body is. It, it goes up when you have generalized uh, immune inflammation. Before I started um, on my turmeric and all these other anti-inflammatories, mine was about six, which is real high. Mm-hmm. It's less than one. And I take uh, eicosapentelic acid, which is vesipa, and I take turmeric, I take ginger, and uh, I have really cut back on sugar. Good. And I have low inflammation. I'm glad. What's your cholesterol now? My LDL is 11. Oh, the LDL. It was 178. What's the HDL? I don't know. I don't, I, let me tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm the non-medical guy. I'm no, just asking random questions. To, no, it used to be. What's your LDL? What's your ratio? What's your ratio? Yeah. Well, why don't we care about that anymore? <laughs> they came out. H, if the higher your HDL is, the uh-huh. lower your risk of heart disease. Okay. Okay, fine. Yeah. But it's genetic. Okay. Okay? So they, they came up with all these medicines to try to raise HDL. Uh-huh. And they found a bunch of them. They raised your HDL. What happened when they tested it? I don't know. Killed people. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, well, that's a bad outcome. That's the whole point. That's a terrible thing. That's I wouldn't the, prescribe that for Yeah, but the whole point anything, is yeah. everything that's gone into raising HDL has not worked. All right. Now, let me, let me, you just mentioned inflammation. Let yeah. me, very quick inflammation story. I'm having some, some hip pain. It's daily, happens after I walk. Yeah. Okay. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going into a, a store that sells supplements. Okay. I am going to ask them what is the best thing for this. Okay. And I'm not taking any pain relievers. Okay. And you're going to see if it works. I'm going to see if just the supplements work. All right. Now, here's what I want to do. Yeah. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, no. You're going to bring it to me. I'm going to bring you what? The supplement. Yeah. All right. And then I'm going to find a placebo. Listen. Just sure. Hear me yeah, out. double blind. No. We're going to, I'm going to administer you yeah. three weeks of pills. Okay. You're not going to know what it is. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. okay. Then after that, yeah. we'll do... Another three weeks of the second pill. Okay, good. We're, we're going to experiment on Dave next week on Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.